In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I go over our observations from Sixers training camp in Charleston, South Carolina, including what you can take away from training camp and project towards the start of preseason basketball this week. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by a guy who is not only my podcast co-host, not just my longtime writing partner, um, but also now my road trip companion, Rich Hoffman. How you doing, buddy? Derek, I'm doing fine. It's uh, I haven't seen you for a day, but the day before I saw you for a lot longer. A lot, a, a whole lot. Um, you and I were both down in Charleston for Sixers training camp. Uh, we called a little bit of an audible as Hurricane Ian started barreling towards us. Uh, and we got the fuck out of Dodge, um, but we are back safely uh, and probably pretty happy with our decision. Uh, you know, I had I had driven down there anyway uh, for a variety of reasons. You love you're the driving guy. You love long road trips. I, I do. I do tend to go on road trips. Um, you know, I have done Toronto. I drove to Toronto for game one of the playoffs. That one wasn't planned. Uh, I had a flight, but the flight got canceled and i didn't know if i was going to make it up there in time for game one so i drove up there instead uh you and i have done boston together i drove to obviously last year i did the where i flew out to vegas and then drove back and had a cross-country drive mostly it was my own vacation time i wanted to visit a couple national parks visit some family in southern illinois and do a cross-country drive because i'd never done it um, i do enjoy a i've done uh charlotte uh, I drove down there for basketball. So I've done a number of lengthy road trips. You know, I do like just getting in a car and seeing the country. I enjoy that. At some point, I would like to cross all 50 states off of my list. But on closer drives, I also like the flexibility that driving provides, even if maybe it's not, um, it's a little less efficient time-wise. Just that flexibility is a bonus for me. And in this case, the flexibility proved to be a huge plus. Once Ian ramped back up into a Category 1 storm and looked like it was going to make landfall directly on Charleston, uh, you know, you and I got in a car after Thursday's practice and just took off um, and we made it back to the Philadelphia area with little issue. You know, and of course, the hotel that I booked was right on the banks of the Ashley River, uh, right near the harbor, which seemed like a perfectly reasonable idea at the time. You know, it was across the river from downtown Charleston, so it was much cheaper than a lot of other hotels options. And since I had my car, the commute was easy um, and the view was good. As we were pretty much looking right out at the harbor, it was really a win-win-win. Except in one specific situation, which was a hurricane. You know, it was in a pretty big flood zone. And, you know, what I was really concerned about was what to do with my car. At one point, I saw they were making parking garages open so you could park your car and get them out of flood zones for 48 hours. That was only open to Charleston residents, which I am not. So then I, you know, Thursday morning, I found myself looking at an elevation map. Um, and trying, you know, trying to read a fucking elevation map and watching the hurricane spaghetti models to figure out the ranges of flooding we could see so I could see where I could park my car and it wouldn't get flooded and wouldn't get stuck in Charleston. Uh, and it just at some point became very asymmetric risk reward situation. So we got the heck out of Dodge. Uh, you joined me so you didn't have to worry about your flight getting canceled and rescheduled. And we had a nice little 11 hour drive back to the relatively dry not completely dry, but relatively dry confines of the Philadelphia area. So that is nice. 
They call it the Low Country for a reason. Yes, yes, which I didn't know about until until I started doing hurricane prep. One times, one times. When I when I had an Uber driver pick me up on Wednesday and say, "Hey, you see the hotel of the, or you see the first floor of that hotel you're staying at? That's going to be completely yep. flooded tomorrow." Yep. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was time to get out, even though I was going to fly. And you know, an eleven hour ride that's pretty long, but just knowing I was away from a place that got and. You know the Sixers are practicing today, so it, yep. I, I think it where, where they were and the the Citadel, I'm sure were were fine enough. But a place that got hit really hard by the hurricane, I think uh, I think making that drive was worth it. You know, it was uh, it was a shorter trip to Charleston than I thought. I went to the uh, the Waffle House that Anthony Bourdain went to on his show. That was uh, right next to my hotel. That was a uh, a highlight of the trip. But yeah, <laughs> it uh, I don't know. I you know it's not a uh, uh, you know, it's not. I, Doc really wanted to go to Charleston, and I guess it's not really his fault. But like, let's be real; it's it's a risk to you know to go there in the middle of hurricane season. And the Sixers lost only one day of practice, so I, I guess not the worst thing in the world for them. Yeah, no, and it ended up. I think it, the hurricane ended up going a little farther east in the projections. So I think the flooding was not as severe as a lot of people were projecting at the time. Um, but the combination of my hotel being in a flood zone, not knowing what the heck to do with my car. Not knowing Dude. exactly where to park it to avoid, it was just, so we don't have quite as much information as we normally would. That being said, like when you go down to training camp, you're not going down there for like basketball observations. You're going down there to interview, to talk to people on and off the record, um, to meet people that you haven't seen for a couple of months, things of that sort. We got to do that. We got, you know, about 36 hours less of that than we would have expected. But quite frankly, you're not exactly going out on town while the hurricane's bearing down on you anyway. In terms of basketball observations, quite frankly, going down there probably hurt us. You know, when they let us <laughs> into practice, all you see are sh shooting drills, free throws, some around the world type shit, but nothing really interesting. The best access you got all week was the televised scrimmage on NBA.com. You, you, the listener, got better access than we did, and we were there. It's not even close, like 100% better access. They wouldn't even let us in the gym while that, oh, that stream practice was going on, which is- We're showing it absurd. to the whole world, but how dare yeah, a reporter how, how show dare up and- yep. Unbelievable. And quite frankly, I didn't watch too much of that stream practice because I had the local news on because that was the day before the hurricane hit, and that was, quite frankly, a little bit more priority. I was trying to figure out exactly what to do uh, to keep us safe. So yeah, not a, a great setting for basketball observations, but we got to talk to some people and see a little bit of shooting drills. <laughs> it really is about all you get. Uh, well, so well, let me ask you, you didn't watch the practice. Did you see the interaction with Doc and yes, Harden? Yes. Because it went viral. And yep. yeah, I mean, it was a three-hour practice. First off, I watched a lot of that because it was on NBA.com. So even though we weren't in there, I was I was five feet away from it, but I was watching it. It was good. I honestly like the NBA should do that more. Like yes, it was, I agree. it was everybody or Doc was mic'd up. I think Maxi was mic'd up, but you could kind of hear, you know, you could watch the Sixers go through, you know, scrimmages in practice. You could watch them run through their sets. It's, it's good stuff. And honestly, they, sh that should be mandatory for every team to do that. Yeah. Like, I just think, let them I know, think, like, hey, don't reveal any trade secrets here. Like, don't go deep on your, you know, playbook. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's good for the league 100%. Okay, the interaction between Doc and Harden, because I think that's where I kind of want to jump into what we learned this week. Doc was talking with Harden about, you know, when to be aggressive, when to look for Joel, when to be James the scorer, when to be James the facilitator. 
And, you know, it. I, I guess what struck me is that it's funny how all you hear is, this is the best pick and roll in the NBA. It's the most f- efficient. It's it's going to be dominant, as Joel says, unstoppable. And those things might be true, but when you watch them like tinker at a a basketball practice, it it feels like that's not as far along. It feels like the Sixers are still trying to figure out the identity of their two great scorers. And I don't know if that is uh just like a healthy dialogue and kind of how you start in training camp where you start from scratch and you you try to build things up. Or it's a sign of a deeper issue that Harden like actually can't take over a game. I, and I'm not making any judgment either way on that. We'll we'll find that out in the coming weeks. But it, it's just funny that it feels like such a finished product when you hear them talk on the outside. But when you actually get to see a practice and see them interact and like have like real legitimate conversation, which I think is healthy for the most part, uh, it doesn't seem as far along. Yeah. No, and uh, the way Doc described it was it was really good last year, but we wanted to be be dominant it is you know i think there's Embiid is not the same type of big man harden has had in the past he's not that vertical threat that you know someone like capella or even dwight earlier on in his career was uh but also none of the big men that harden has played with in the past had as much in terms of short roll or face up or driving that he could play off as well but also james harden isn't the same pick and roll player he was you know five years ago so i think it will be a little bit of a learning curve Look, it's real tough to say just off of quotes that we had or that that practice. We will learn so much more here in the next week than we did in the past week in that regard. Well, by the way, it's like I have friends, obviously, and you do too, who cover football. They do their training camp notes. Yeah. They yeah. actually get to watch the practice. Yes. Like they actually. Yes. And, and even and they as say much like. As I make fun of that because I think it's completely absurd the way they tweet out and, and report on training camp. I would die to even have like a, a mental debate of whether or not I should tweet about this play because we get the complete opposite. We don't even get plays. We get nothing. nothing. No. And because we get nothing, a lot of people will tweet things out and write stories of, oh, my God, Jaden Springer has been <laughs> dominant in these camps. And you don't know. You don't, you don't know. You haven't seen shit. Obviously, we have some skepticism on that. If you go back like four or five podcasts ago, we were pretty uh, pretty hard on the kid. That could absolutely be true, but we just haven't seen no anything. Idea. I don't know. The, the way some of these stories take hold, too, it's like Doc will be talking, and then he'll like pause, and he'll go out of his way to praise someone, specifically in this case, Jaden Springer. And it's not really in the course of a natural conversation. But then you spend the next two to three days with reporters asking other players about Jaden Springer, and next thing you know, you have like the cycle of hype and we haven't seen the kid dribble a basketball yet. We have no idea. And look, a lot of what they talked about, I didn't mean to get into a rant on Jaden Springer. It's more about how training camp is covered and, and the access we get and how they should show we more. See. We just By the way, they like, should show more. Yeah, but like we're basically these narratives get going before you even see them do anything is, is more the point I was trying to make. And, you know, I think the way they talked about Springer is, you know, he's been a menace on D, which I don't completely... I, I could buy that a little bit because, quite frankly, I think if you go back, like, I think Jaden Springer's an NBA, a good NBA defender right now. And pretty much everyone then said, from Doc to PJ Tucker, then said, yeah, he doesn't really know what he's doing on offense yet, which I buy that too. Um, so I'm sure he's having a good camp. I'm sure he is contributing and showing flashes defensively. I'm very skeptical of whether that matters because I'm not sure you can put him on a court offensively at all. But really, it just boils down to. I guess the point I'm trying to make here is 
when you listen to this pod or you read about hype coming out of training camp, we have no real information. We're completely beholden to the quotes that we're getting. Um, so take it with a huge grain of salt. Pretty much everything. Everything you're going to hear on this pod and that we write about. That's you're a sales also, pitch. Yeah. You're also not going to get players who say, uh, you know, when they get asked the second cycle right. of Jaden Springer, hey, uh, how is he playing this week? Yeah, like, you're sucks. not going to have somebody go be that. like, yeah. he's playing like shit. Yeah. yeah no, that's, that, that's what I mean. It's it's like a, a endless cycle of hype feeding hype feeding hype. Uh, and we have no real information. He really doesn't know what he's doing at all in offense, though. Like you, you saw in uh, in one of their drills, you know, they run the play. I think it was called Miami, uh, where Doc is just like it's clearly a, a double screen on one side of the court with an, an empty corner. And Jaden Springer obviously is not the guy who has the ball. He's he's the guy in the corner. And Doc is like, get out, man! It's an empty corner. So he, you know, he still needs to learn the plays. And yeah, I think there was a. Uh, Certainly a uh, an understanding from Doc and PJ Tucker that yeah he doesn't really know what he's doing on uh, on offense, which is why like when I try and take quotes and analyze the stuff from training camp, for me it's a lot more okay. What is like the philosophy of what you're trying to do? Like what are you trying to implement? Because I can't yeah. tell whether you're good or you're bad, but maybe like the the process of what you're trying to do, and that's why the Harden stuff is interesting to me because it's like. Okay, you know, Doc is saying that was an eight out of ten, but there still needs to be improvement. And then when you see him mic'd up, you see James, him going to James, like, "Hey, man, you got to score a lot more. You got to, you got to facilitate. Yep. You got to do more." And it's, you know, what some of it, it felt like Doc is kind of just trying to pump Harden up a little bit, where, uh, you know, because he's asking him like, "Hey, score more and pass more," where it's like, okay, like I think he knows. How to, yeah. how to handle a lot of responsibility. But yeah, it's fascinating. But the, the more I think about this now, they should absolutely, first five practices for the NBA, may, may, maybe make it four. They're open to the media. And you know what? If you want to make a rule where we can't videotape shit like the plays and stuff like that, I'm fine with that. But look, the NFL does it and it's ridiculous. Like why why can't we watch? It doesn't well, even, really matter. Even you, if- just sh- you just showed what you did to... To the whole NBA TV, to like anybody who wants to watch it. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure that's getting a you know a ten rating on uh, on national television. But anybody who wanted to see what the Sixers are doing could tune in. Yeah, yeah. It, I think it would be good. I think you got to mix in some time where they have where we wouldn't be present, just so they can you know implement stuff that um, they don't want someone seeing. But I think it would be good for for them and for the league uh, to build up hype and interest. And really get get people back into the flow of basketball because we're going to be playing preseason games here in two days. Um, today's Saturday. Is today Saturday? Today's Saturday, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's been one of those weeks. Uh, you're going to have preseason games real soon. You're going to have regular season games here in a couple of weeks. Uh, it does still feel like off season, and I think part of that is because you just you you get some. It, it feels like almost like an extended media day is what training camp is. Which is good. It's it's good to get down and network and talk to people on and off the record, but it would be better. It could be better. Yeah. Uh, okay, another thing that I, I took from training camp, not to say he's been good or bad, but you, you could tell that P.J. Tucker is not like somebody who uh, who comes in and is like quiet. Like he's not no. trying to be the new guy. Uh, where uh, A little bit of a, a quiet voice maybe, but not a, a loud talker for sure. Yeah. Quiet voice off the court, yeah. loud yeah. voice on the court, and very expressive with uh, hand gestures and defense. And you can see, like, after practice, honestly, 
So much of what after practices over the years is like Sam Cassell screwing around with Embiid and Maxi and Harden and, you know, other players putting in their work, whatever it is. Like PJ Tucker, the first couple of days was actually like going through defensive switches with Harden and, you know, six coaches, including Dan Burke and Doc uh, after a practice and telling Embiid where to go. And it like, I just thought, okay, that, that seems like he has the right approach there. And, you know, who knows if he's, um, how much he has left in the tank. Who knows, you know, if he's going to make his corner threes this year. I suspect he's going to make enough of them because that's really all he works on. Also, the, the other thing that, that cracked me up, he took some above the break threes after the practice. Why are you doing that? Who cares? Yeah, that's not you where you shoot. shoot from. Yep. You ain't shoot like you're going to do in the game. Yep. Yeah. Maybe he just gets bored. I mean, he really just has to take one shot. Like maybe he could work on like layups after offensive rebounds too. But that's like when about you're sitting it. there in practice, you don't see James Harden taking pull up mid rangers. Like that, that, that's not something he's going to do. Although no. he took a few more last year than I think I remember him taking. He might be an acknowledgement of, that maybe he doesn't get out of necessity. To. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and you hear Doc just say like you know part of the reason we got him is his you know physicality and his ability to check the best scores. But the other reason we got him is like he's an organizer. He's somebody yeah. who can kind of tell people where to go. And, you know, talking to P.J. Tucker after practice, I, I thought he said all the right things in that regard where he's like, look, the training camp is the time to build habits. Like, you guys you guys went nuts about me getting all those offensive rebounds in game six for the Heat. Part of the reason we got those offensive rebounds is because we, like, took training camp seriously and we, you know, we work out the kinks and things we're going to screw up on because we're going to screw up on a million things. But this is the time to start building the correct habits. And I am a big believer in that. That is something that is kind of hard to see because it's behind the scenes and it happens in locker rooms. But I am a big believer in that approach and like how you treat the regular season. Yeah, you can screw around a little bit, but you better be really talented if you're going to do that. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I just thought like listening to him, there was like an impressive veteran mindset from him and, you know, is it going to work in an actual game? I don't know, but it, it certainly was like the stuff I would want to hear in terms of like a new guy coming in and setting like a certain standard. No, he is he is everything you'd want in a role player. Willing to accept his role, pays attention to the details, uh, has the experience to impart that wisdom on other players, especially when your star players haven't necessarily gotten all the way. There's a lot of times where it's like, oh, this team needs toughness and veteran leadership and experience. And you're like, those are sometimes just words that people use and they don't really mean much in PJ's case. And both with the Sixers and in PJ's case, I think the Sixers needed that. And I think he can give them that. I think he's going to be great. I do think that is one of the storylines coming out of training camp is how big of a deal his addition was for sure. For sure. I agree. Yeah. As you all know, by now we've teamed up with bet MGM this season. We'll be using the bet MGM lines to make all our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet use the bonus code ta basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to the athletic plus up to a one thousand dollar first bet offer on your first wager hmm. i guess the other so, thing i would say body watch i thought i was i was gonna go there i thought maxi looked better he's definitely maxi was looking a, yoked a, a little bit of uh, of, of muscle and i Look, I'm I'm fully back on the Isaiah Joe bandwagon. He looked like he added a little bit. Will that matter in a game? I don't know. Because he had so much to add, adding a little bit. might He still might be severely undersized um, and at a strength disadvantage. I thought he looked better physically. And that's the first time in the course of his career I think I've been able to say that. I If he needed to add 20 pounds of muscle, he might have added two or three. <laughs> that's a start. That's a start. For him, two or three shows up in the pictures for sure. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's funny. I I know that like muscle watch is always a big thing, whatever sport it is. Too protein shake, Milton. Yeah, that's an all timer. Both because he completely exaggerated what he got, and also because protein shake just works so well. It's something that people always pay attention to. I don't really look for that that much. No. Like I, I remember the year that Embiid came in and he was skinnier, and everybody Brett said he was in good shape. He was a little bit skinnier. He was in terrible shape. Like he played in Denver and it was like, he was like having trouble getting up and down the court that year. It was that 2019, 20 year. So it's hard to put too much stock into it. But anyway, he, he definitely looked bigger. And he said that he, he was like, yeah, like we had to lift like five days a week for that. So, you know, he, and obviously like somebody who's in his third year, that's somebody who could get stronger. Like realistically, like PJ Tucker, he's not going to look that much different. So yeah, Maxi looked a little bit bigger. I thought there was a lot of funny B-Ball Paul stuff that was going on. I think, uh, and by the way, I, I don't think he's going to play a ton to start. Like, I, I think when push comes to shove. Talking about B-Ball? Yeah. Trez is going to be the backup yeah. center. But honestly, the more I hear Doc talk, and, and look, some of this is his own fault because of the DeAndre thing, which, again, we don't have to get into. I, I do think it's a little bit of a misconception that he automatically hates him. Yeah, I agree. I think he didn't trust him. Yeah. And, and I think there is a greater degree of trust. I mean, you have Doc basically talking up B-Ball Paul as, you know, like we tried him with Joel at the four for long no, stretches. And, and to Doc's credit, and again, I don't know if he trusts him on a basketball court. I certainly don't think he did last year. I don't know if he does this year. He talks up his work ethic every chance he gets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says him and Tyrese are the two. I think the decision-making experience thing. Are the two hardest working kids? I actually think he does trust him more this year because how could you not trust him more because of the playoffs last year? I agree. Uh, so I'm not sure he's going to play just because look, there's too many people here, and you got Trez, who's like a very skilled backup big man. But uh, yeah, I, I just he really kind of talked him up as playing the four, and in that practice that you didn't get to see all of, it's funny he was playing the five. He was pissing off Joel in a big way, which is it's funny. And like on one hand, I'm like, all right, that's 
that's Paul Reed working hard. Like that's the type of guy we want to see. On the other hand, I'm like, eh, it'd be a little easy with the big guy, man. Like, you know, you don't, you don't have to see Joel. Uh, like I think at one point, like uh, he was playing against B-Ball Paul. B-Ball Paul went for a rebound and Joel tweaked an ankle and he just like, you know, he like sat down on the, on the bench for a minute and he came back in like, or whatever after it was over. But it's like, yeah, man, like playing around B-Ball Paul. I do wonder if Joel's like, eh, let's see if we can just make it through this practice alive. And, uh, Hope to fight another day. <laughs> in, a, in a real game, I would put him in the basket, obviously, but uh, it's not uh, not try not try that hard against him in this practice. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird, weird thing. On the one hand, I want to see more B-ball Paul. On the other hand, I'm not really buying into the B-ball Paul at the four experiment. Oh, me either. Uh, yeah. Doc talks <laughs> up his offensive rebounding at the four spot. Well, sure, but like that spacing. And look, uh, if, if we're talking about all we can watch in a uh, in training camp or jumpers. Bebo Paul's jumper is not exactly a thing of beauty still, uh, and I do not trust him as a floor spacer next to Joe or Trez. I do think he is best utilized at the five. The problem is you've got Montrez, and then you've got P.J. Tucker, who can play a little bit of small ball five as well, so who knows how much of a chance he will get there at that spot. Liked him a lot more as a projectable five, switchable five, than a as a floor spacing four, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's like one of those things where I think a lot of people... You know, Doc will talk up playing him at the four, and yeah, I don't buy it just because he he can't shoot at that level. But he, he did then go back and say like he's primarily a five, or we yeah. view him as a five. So it, it's more like he was trying to get him there because he knows there's a bit of a logjam there. Here's a question for you because I, I did think though him freely admitting that Reed could play at the four a little bit. Are, are you buying that Doc might be a little more experimental this year? Experimental. Not specifically with that. Right. With- so my answer is yes. And I think he sort of addresses during one of the availabilities. I think from a question that you ask. Yes, because he has more tools to use. He has more things to experiment with. Is he going to be as experimental as I think he should be or as I would hope he would be? No, probably not. But I think he will be more than he was last year just because he has more to work with. Um. No, I think Doc's going to get into his rotations and and into what works, and he'll probably he'll probably land on the right answer in the regular season. Will he be as experimental as I think he should be? Probably not. Probably not. I just I love hearing that PJ is going to play the five. He's just openly admitting that that's going to happen at points, which is great. That's- but again, like we talked about this last pod, last podcast, that's not exactly Doc going out on a limb because like every stop PJ's been at has done that. Like that should be baked into the signing. I, look, I'm, I'm not trying to throw Doc a parade for it. I'm just happy it's going to happen. Like, <laughs> we're not having know, a Doc Rivers victory tour. We're not having a victory tour, but <laughs> but I could say, okay, that's good. Like you know, there's there's other centers on this roster you could play, and to to play PJ is important. And you, uh, I thought this was kind of the the underrated thing from Thursday's practice, not yesterday's. This was before our uh, cross country <laughs> drive. Yeah. Yes, our long sojourn through the uh, Virginia and North Carolina. By the way, the DC Beltway, bad, bad traffic there. I mean, oh, yeah. come on. What even at ten o'clock at night? Like, come on. I, no, we, we I can't yeah, just I used drive to, through the city. Yeah. I used to work down there in my previous career, and it was a nightmare any time of day. We drove we were going through there, like I said, probably about ten o'clock at night. And it was not awful, but it was way worse than it should have been. Way worse. Way worse. And it was at a, a point in the night where I just had no patience for it. I agree. I don't know how people do that on a daily basis, but that is completely not related to this uh podcast. The Underrated thing from before that drive, I, Tobias just being like, "Yeah, we're gonna switch a lot more," and that's the that's the biggest thing 
I took. And, you know, we'll see. I think I'll be very lineup dependent. Obviously, with Joe, you're not going to switch, especially in the regular season. With Maxi, you really can't switch all that much. But I think the when Joe is on the bench and Maxi, if you assume that he... And that's one thing I would have been great to really see is, like, Doc's rotations. That was one of the things I was sort of hoping to get out of this training camp that I don't think we necessarily did. But if they do bring Maxi and Embiid off at the same time and bring, like, a Tobias Harden grouping, maybe you can get that to switch one through four. I think it'll be... Again, they have a lot more tools to work with, a lot more perimeter defenders. And I think in the right lineups, he better switch more. He better. And it certainly sounds like right now they plan to. So I, I agree. That's good. That's good. Yeah, you went from negative and you talked yourself into the, the positive again. You, you just don't want to give Doc any credit. You know, it's unbelievable. No, I, I just thought, though, that Tobias saying, like, the way he Honestly, put it. that was, was less about Doc and more about Tyrese, the switching yeah. thing. Although now that you've got, you know, pumped up Tyrese, maybe they can. Maybe you can have Tyrese defending fours. Who knows? We'll see. Muscle watch. Probably not. I do think Tobias going out and saying like, look, this is going to be a big change from last year, though, is uh, is notable. We'll see what it looks like in uh, in practice. And that that goes back to, you know, I guess the biggest. Are you talking about now uh, the switching or, or, or his offensive role? No, the switching. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think... Um, that's kind of the biggest theme of that was the biggest theme of media day where Joel, like he got asked a question about his offense and he basically said, look, man, we're, we're trying to be good on defense. It's clear that they believe despite the doc hard and combos and, you know, you obviously have to work both sides of the ball that they need to work harder to be good on defense. Yep. They think, they think as a group they they generally think offense is going to come to us at some point. Like we have too much talent, too much, too many ball handlers. Like it just fits all together, and we have the scoring champion in the middle. That uh, that Joel has said, like I, I want to be the the best defense in the league, and he freely admitted. You know, I feel like he's been reading some some article clippings on this stuff. That like, hey, like maybe I should try a little bit harder than uh, you know in the first three quarters of these regular season games, and not try uh, to turn it on in the fourth quarter. So that uh, I guess that's kind of the overwhelming narrative because media day was boring i would say and for the sixers that's good yeah because they uh they weren't the ones making news when you have like let's go through all of them you got the celtics with that crap you got uh what what else we got that's going crazy you got got deandre with all of their crap all the time yeah i mean they're just a ongoing soap opera you got deandre ayton like not talking to monty williams yep Despite the fact they've been in training camp for four days, that's a uh, Crowder thing. Yeah, so they're they're crazy. So the Sixers are way down the pecking order of, uh, I'll say it like ESPN's uh, <laughs> cameras and kind of the the more salacious stories, the more uh, the things that'll get clicks. So that's good. And, and when the biggest story from Media Day is, oh yeah, we're gonna try and be the number one defense in the league. That's pretty good. Like yeah. I think that's that's a healthier environment than it was last year. Yeah. And to your point, like I th- I think the question that led into that was somebody asking about the Embiid Harden pick and roll, and he's like, "Yeah, we'll be fine." But what we really got to do is play defense this year. Seems like that is certainly a talking point for them, and and most certainly a goal for them as well, because I do think that is the side of the court. It's weird because I think that we talked about this recently. Seven out of their top ten rotation players, I think, are are good to very good defenders. But there is that backcourt that puts a, a ceiling on that and getting through that, you know, we will see. But uh, 
Yeah, that should be. Because I, I do think regular season-wise, our offense is going to come, might not come day one. A lot of times offense trends a little later than defense. But I think the defensive scheme is going to be really important. In terms of other things that we could see, I do think Tobias looked a little more comfortable because they do that thing where they're basically shooting from the three or the four point line um, a couple feet back. I thought Tobias looked a little more comfortable doing that than I've seen in the past and more willing to you know do that practice in front of us. I guess he looked pretty comfortable. I don't know if that's going to show up in a game, but it certainly seems like he is embracing the role, at least recognizes that he has to get more comfortable shooting from deep, shooting quickly, uh, shooting off the catch. Uh, he was doing a lot of work from what, you know, like I said, the 10 minutes we see per day, a lot of that Tobias was, was out there shooting off the catch, um, which is good. My question with him always comes with what happens when he shoots, you know, two for 20 and is he taking that 21st shot confidently and quickly and decisively? Uh, but we won't be able to see that until there are actual games that matter. So, so far, so good on that front. Yeah. He was shooting some bombs and that's a, uh, that's a good thing. And the, the other thing you worry about with Tobias is just like, how much is he going to buy into this connector role, this uh, yep. this in-between role? It, it was funny, Doc. Uh, I feel like Doc was kind of doing this for the cameras when he was talking to Harden. His his big line was, it's this pecking order. It uh, It isn't a dem- democracy. Basically, he was saying, it's Joel, it's you, and then yep. it's everybody else. And Tobias is very much in that uh, in that second tier. The, the other funny thing that they said, uh, Doc was talking to Tobias he he was mic'd up and doc was just man we really suck at throwing yeah. entry passes to joel which i guess they do like i i, I guess i don't watch enough other teams around the league cuz a lot of other teams don't uh, inbound who the ball trying to the make post. It entry passes even even denver they're not so much trying to get it deep into the post as much as they're trying to get it to him at the foul line and at one point doc says he's like you know, Denver, he says, Jokic, is, he walks his, his slow ass up the court and they get him the ball in the post easy. And I'm thinking like, eh. You know, and look, this is probably Doc just trying to make a point where he's uh, he's probably embellishing what Denver does to, to just be like, look, we, we got to be as good as we can at this because we have the one guy who can actually score in that manner at a uh, at a consistent rate. He was also getting on Joel. He was like, hey, you, uh, you don't post up well at all, which is... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting thing to watch overall. Kind of see behind the curtain a little bit there. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It is that time of year where all the vibes are positive. Everybody loves each other. Everybody <laughs> had a good off season. Everybody is made the improvements that they need, and we will get a little more a uh, little more of a realistic perspective on that Monday night in Brooklyn. Ben Simmons. Yeah, fantastic way to kick off the the preseason. We'll see whether or not that... uh, I mean, right now it looks like he's scheduled to play, right? There's nothing that would stop him. We'll see who plays on uh, on both sides. I almost think for the Sixers it would be a waste to to play Embiid in that game if Simmons is going to play. I I might save that for the regular season to kind of be like, hey, you know, we'll we'll let Montrezl Harrell guard you in this game. And uh, (laughs) big man's going to play come... I don't know when their first game is against the Nets. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know either. Um, so you told me, you, you thought I knew everything about the schedule the other day. I did. And I did. I don't, I don't know that. You don't, you don't know shit. <laughs> I don't know shit. know shit. Tuesday, November 22nd in Philadelphia. Okay. Okay. It's not too far. It's not too long of a wait. Nope. I'm sure everyone will react to that in a completely calm and 
justified manner. It won't be too exciting. Um, all right. Any other quick thoughts here on uh, on on training camp? No. Charleston, Excited to watch actual games. Hurricaneian. No. Yeah. Nothing. Happy to be dry. Happy. happy <laughs> yeah. Happy to be able to finally watch some games over the uh, over the next couple of weeks. What do you What do you think? Four preseason games? Too many? No, I think that's right about right. I think that's, I think that's okay. about right. I think three Back would be ideal. Back in the day, I- they ideal. used to do like six seven. or seven, right? Oh, yeah. awful. Way too many. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think well, four. Like, you need a couple to, to you know, get players up to game speed, uh, but not too far to where we have to pretend to care about things three weeks of preseason. That's too much. It's too much. I, I'm certainly not going to care too much about what it. Uh, you know, as long as uh, no, and if this is Harden a, a looks like to, he's moving okay, who cares? Yeah, yeah, and if this is a way to lengthen the season by cutting out a week of preseason, uh, cutting down on back-to-backs, all that stuff, make a better product with fewer injuries in a regular season, 100%. I don't think you can take that down to, like, two preseason games. I do think you need uh, a little bit of live competition to get everyone back up to speed. But I think four is a pretty good number. Pretty good number. Well, it's the one they gave us, so. It is, but I think that's probably, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. Like I said, on the one hand, I want to dive into training camp because we're all like desperate for basketball. But on the other hand, I want to be truthful about what we can actually represent to you um, because you are looking to us for our observations from training camp. And I just don't want to blow smoke up your ass. Jaden Springer might have made a lot of progress over the summer. We are taking a couple of people who are very vested in the, the narrative. We're taking them at their word right now, so we are on limited information, but we will get a hell of a lot more here very, very quickly, which is a great thing about NBA basketball. But thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. This isn't a Jaden Springer victory tour. <laughs> no, not right. yet. Not yet. Hopefully, look, I, I'm rooting for the kid, but not yet. All right. See you, man. Go, Phils. Ugh.